It's This Week in Sleeves with your host, the great lord, Joshua Riegel and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some naughty and nice fucking, but this isn't a Christmas episode, by the way. We are talking movies operating on the silly, cruel, and rather pleasant scale of Category 3. So over in the cruel camp, Wong Jing produces Emperor's Palace Intrigue, Nastiness and Dopeness in Sex and the Emperor. Also, in the second half, a positive comedy about overcoming the odds and becoming the picture-perfect image of prosperity. But only in Hong Kong cinema would you center this around pimps and prostitution. Yes, you too can be a pimp and have lots of super cool prostitutes working for you. So also up for review, therefore is the super not cruel comedy Way to Success. And my name is Lise Kay and with me to review Sex and the Emperor and uh, Way to Success uh, here in the socially distant Tidy Whitey Theatre, which was no great shakes in the sanitized department to begin with, uh, and I'm not sure we've achieved a good level in terms of that, but it is socially distant, we're here in the Tidy Whitey Theatre, and I'm with the great Lord Joshua Regal. Booyah! What's up? Do you feel safe over there, from me, like uh, it's a suitable distance? I mean, there's a crowd in between, but at least you and I are socially distant here. We're very socially distant, about as socially distant as one can get. A couple of miles um, between each other, in actuality. A couple miles. A couple miles. Uh, well, 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 uh, this, um, I wanted to do this because I have a little fascination with uh, what kind of cinema Wong Jing produced at this uh, time. It, uh, we've covered a fair amount of his uh, movies as director and producer, and this is another example, uh, Sex and the Emperor, of... Uh, what Hong Kong cinema was and what Wang Jing uh, was and what he injected into it, uh, meaning that you get uh, you get a good time and a cruel time in one, and uh, Sex and the Emperor certainly demonstrate that. But uh, we'll uh, get into it. Some brief contact information. This is this weekend, please, on the Podcast on Fire Network, and our back catalog is available on podcastonfire.com. We have uh, bonus episodes. We have done uh, audio commentaries, of course. Our every episode before um, before this one or uh, two episodes back uh, was the Mindfuck audio commentary. We did it, and uh, that's uh, it's on uh, YouTube as well. Blacked out, where it should be blacked out. And Great Lord Joshua Regal worked on the video presentation of the Mindfuck audio commentary, and you can find both links to that and uh, the audio only version on podcastonfire.com and on apple podcasts and stitcher radio and spotify there's a lot of on that commentary a lot of like Ugh, god Ugh. <laughs> a lot of reactionary sounds because uh, it's not a sexy time that hardcore porn uh, movie necessarily and uh, as we always say the video transfer didn't do anything to enhance uh, the sort of gloriously lit sexy time it uh, it made it uh, made it all the made it worse and uh, turned you off sex forever oh it enhanced it all right it it uh it went from bad to worse but yeah that, that's in the back, back catalog we did it so um who knows if we ever revisit mindfuck again as i said uh, next is a traveling road show but uh, we can't do that for a while a live but... production exactly yeah, <laughs> where, where we all get to watch it together and go like oh like the riff tracks thing or whatever like they're trapped around doing it yeah and the audience uh, will go like ah god get it off get it off us or the film both <laughs> we'll do the blurred out version 
Uh, but uh, all of that is available. We're available on social media as well. Uh, Facebook and Twitter. We have a discussion group on Facebook where we post show updates and the likes. So follow the links on the website to Facebook, Twitter and even to our Instagram. And uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and uh, wherever you catch us. Uh, whether Spotify or um, Stitcher. Thank you. And I uh, hope you like the show. This uh, adult only, uh, centered around adult only movies. Uh, but it is an explicit show as well because we open with open with let's talk some fucking so it's going to be explicit uh, regardless of um, how you view it but uh, we are going to take a music break and then we're going to get into it proper with the first review of this episode Sex and the Emperor from 1994 from producer Wong Jing so you should have an idea of uh, what that might be like but uh, there, there's also a director here that makes sure the movie appears uh, in a different way too so we'll talk of that after the music break. And welcome back. And uh, the first review of this episode is Sex and the Emperor from 1994. Sounds uh, classy and uh, it certainly certainly looks classy. It's a period uh, movie and plot from my review of the film. Essentially, it's palace, power struggles and forbidden romance on display here as the young Emperor Tong Shi, played by Sung Boon Chung, falls in love with his chambermaid, played by Yvonne Jung, which is of course the wrong course of action and one of the evil eunuchs in the palace the long-tongued on da hai played by Stuart ong has his way with uh, yvonne jung's character she's called uh, uh, gui lian uh, he has his way with her uh, with uh, chains and whips and honey and uh, worms or ants uh, before sending her off to the local brothel not cool also the side story even though he opens the movie and looks like the main character Tong Shi's servant, the Empress servant, Li Li Yang, played by Long Si Ho, is not actually a true eunuch, and he's working on making his family line live on as well within the palace. So Joshua, this is from, as I said, producer Wong Jing. Uh, it's from his sort of goofy, vicious period, making category three dark movies, comedy, melodrama, exploitation movies in general, uh, tragedy within as well, and that, that phase in the 90s produced some rather marvelous, marvelously outrageous works, um, but they were often headed by other directors. So you have Chinese Torture Chamber Story, you have Sex and Sen 2, and to a lesser extent, The Ambitious Lover of the Lost Empress by director Andrew Lau, being part of that uh, track record. But in Sex and the Emperor, we get a look at a director in the form of Sherman Wong, who at least on one other occasion... Uh, which uh, would be the movie Queen of Underworld, starring Amy Yip, uh, has put on a rather gruesome, nasty show. But that movie wasn't category free, although it pushed the buttons. And uh, I wanted to rewatch it uh, for uh, this viewing, Queen of Underworld, because uh, I remember it uh, being so close to category free, avo- avoiding it neatly. And some reviewers have su- suggested that, well, Wong Jing is influential. So he can probably avoid the free in some cases. Uh, 
it's not a great but also t- certainly not terrible insight into the life of a hostess girl and later turned uh, madam of one such uh, or several establishments um, and she's played by amy yip uh, from young to old i suppose it means well with its decades-long family drama but for me although this is great b- being so fast-paced queen of underworld really had no time to establish the feels it really focused more on asking the performers to um to take it up to 110% uh, most of the time to create a character gallery of mostly detestable characters. And for me, that was the key, the, the excess was the key to enjoyment. Um, so I, I really enjoy it. I mean, it had try, it has triad tropes galore and over-the-top acting. Uh, producer and writer Wong Jing, uh, you know, he, he certainly isn't uh, designing this as classy, but I think uh, Amy Yip certainly understands that uh, and uh, it's, it's okay with this being her drama, but excess around her in the form of nudity and castration and gang rape is uh, within category two. Is something she doesn't seem to care about because uh, she is focused on her dramatic performance. And uh, I really enjoy it despite the melodrama really being in the background. Um, but uh, I always enjoy looking at Amy Yip uh, and her capability as an actress because she certainly has capabilities uh, as an actress as she has her family drama play out and uh, you know the mother and daughter stuff in the later stages of the film so i mean the, the elements of, of exploitation then that's what you watch it for and that's that's like uh, diverting uh, or like a distraction for the crowd who wants that um, instead of uh, a family drama and those are the only good merits really because the melodrama isn't super great but they are good fun merits and at the same time I like watching Amy Yip uh, act dramatically and Sherman Wong displays that he has a cruel streak in him that doesn't come from Wong Jing and as it turns out that cruel streak turns up in Sex and the Emperor as well. Queen of Underworld, Underworld was enjoyable for that uh, reason. Uh, it's been a while but uh, what do you remember watching that um, that 90 minute decades long family drama exploitation time rated category 2? It definitely seems like three when you're watching it. And I agree that uh, it moves a little too quick to really capture the depth of, like you said, uh, decades-long drama. Especially when Amy Yip essentially, you know, aside from like, I think they put a little gray in her hair at some points, she still looked the same, basically. It's like they they didn't want to you know make her too, look too old. They still wanted beautiful Yip. Even you know, no matter how old she gets, so I didn't mind that though because she had no. the deme- she had an elder demeanor about her and um, big glasses, sure. which sounds like <laughs> yeah, so what? But I, I I think she carried herself well. Unfortunately, though, what it, it harms the film and the fact that like you know it's kind of hard to tell how long it has been since the previous scene, you know. Like, you know, she still looks beautiful. She still looks the same. Oh, well, now she's wearing glasses. Well, I guess it's been 15 years. <laughs> Not really, you know. The introduction of glasses. It must be yeah. been 15 years between the thing and this thing. Because she couldn't have had, you know, bad vision beforehand, you know, and just put on a pair of glasses for this scene. Aside from that, I think it's one of her strongest performances. And she's had some really strong performances in the past. I just, I thought she did a great job. Like she always does, I guess. Yeah, he was, he, she wasn't brought in to um, for for the gags of it all, um, but um, they they really gave her a big role, even though it's a 
a movie that's all over the place and uh, wants to be excessive. And it's good at being excessive because everyone is bringing that, uh, you know, that 11, uh, crank it up to 11 acting. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there's a ton of um, recognizable faces here. So it's a really it's a classy, classy Hong Kong production. Uh, actor uh, Paul Chun, Blackie Ko, uh, Mantat from all those Stephen Chow movies. And Ray Loy comes in here in a cameo as Limpy Ho, which is the gangster character he played in the famous uh, biopic uh, To Be Number One. So he comes in here for a little bit. Uh, I never really liked to be number one. It was a bit uh, stoic and stiff as a biopic. So um, you would think that, yeah, oh, for sure it was category three. But for some reason, a little bit of nudity, tons of detestable material and um, acts wasn't enough to crank it to, um, to go free. And I suppose um, they structured it well. If somebody had smoked a joint, it probably would have made it to category three. <laughs> well, like, uh, they, is it a two? Is it a three? I don't know. Let's just print two. I think it's a two movie. So <laughs> we have so many movies to look at today. The sensor board, uh, but I wanted to include it uh, for the sake of rewatching it, um, but also uh, to demonstrate to you that uh, I think the, this director, who wasn't uh, active that long, had a two movie cruel streak that uh, yeah. started in Queen of Underworld and then bled into Sex and the Emperor. I don't think it's a random or a coincidence that uh, this one pushes the buttons to the extent that characters actually puke in the movie at the sites <laughs> they're witnessing. But uh, let's get into Sex and the Emperor. So for, for my short opinion, uh, again, Sherman Wong, the director, puts on a nasty show and Wong Jing is being all Wong Jingy, which is pretty good. I, I think it would have been a tastier cake overall had he narrowed the story and character focus because I, nece- I didn't necessarily need the eunuch, uh, uh, his side story, him as the narrator, but... You know, it's okay, but um, if I had to deselect something, it would be him. Uh, because the, I, I think the story of the young emperor and uh, Yvonne Jung's character was perfectly sufficient on its own. He's a little bit of a, a Waka Waka character sure in is. the midst of everything. and I mean, you gotta have it. And audiences are supposed to expect it, so it's no surprise. But um, if you put on <laughs> your critical cap, then yeah, you know, what, what doesn't fit... Probably he. But then again, I'm a total hypocrite because I love, as we'll get to, I, I love when Kingdom Yun comes in and uh, like, hey, 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 sex jokes, sex jokes. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm in. I'm in because it's her. So. Eight semi-devils. So it's all um, acceptable. So um, a short opinion of sex and the emperor from your side before we uh, before we continue here. I liked it quite a bit. It's uh, It's got a little bit of everything, you know, like you say, and I mean, it's got really broad comedy at times but it also has an underlying plot that is really more of a tragedy than anything you know spoiler alert there's not really a lot of happy thoughts uh, throughout this and you can't really say it's got a happy ending you know it's very dark film with intermittent bursts of craziness i guess and of course the sick moments in it kind of make it worth watching for anybody who's into I wouldn't say extreme cinema, but, you know, this side of cinema. I mean, it, it's not filmmaking on autopilot. They are, after all, mm-hmm. adept at producing cruelty and graphic sights here, which was 
what impressed me on first viewing that uh, it's not just uh, low budget cruelty that's uh, a bit uh, lame as executed they um, they are able to push buttons as a matter of fact as the narrator says uh, Lee Liang uh, essentially he says that cruel and sexy stories are coming up uh, so uh, he obviously introduces us to the elegant exteriors and uh, of the of the palace but obviously the interiors hold uh, Secrets, um, and I think it's a, it's a decent-looking production. They're working with uh, palace exteriors that uh, possibly um, are in um, in China and not uh, big uh, uh, big builds. I think uh, Sherman Wong he, he gets the audiences to react, uh, even though it is pure attention and exploitation. But there, there's no denying to me that there's a gift technically to deliver the gruesome. If you think of what I just said, and then think of what the castration sequence is like. I mean, it it gets to you, right? Yeah, Jesus. Would you say that's technically well done or they, uh, I mean, if you're doing a castration sequence, you're going to push buttons anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's no cannibal ferox, but (laughs) the whole idea of the eunuch and everything like that is a pretty bizarre one to, I guess, our culture, at least our culture today. And seeing a child essentially put up into stirrups while his penis is removed is pretty fucking dark. But it does, you know, like you say, it was for artistic side of things. It is well shot, well lit, uh, nice use of color. Even in that room with the past cut penises, that that's all lit in the classic blue. Classic. Cinema blue. Yeah. And it looks like, oh my God, there's a ton of penises hanging from strings. But it looks moody. Yeah, I mean, pretty large penises for kids, I guess. Yeah, we're gonna make a note and then tell Ken about what I found out in this movie. Large penises, six, six and seven inch uh, dongs hanging from the ceiling. Like the interior stuff that goes in uh, goes on in the palace. I I really dig. I mean, you have a sequence later when the Empress Dowager presumably is. Uh, she's in that room where they've placed another character in a barrel and as a matter of fact she's had her limbs chopped off and it is again that blue uh, blue uh, light and the smoke and there's characters that are hidden in shadows which I, I thought was a neat choice and us subsequently and I think this is where I set up and like oh my god this is more than the regular old category free stuff when you see the vomit inducing sight of the character in the barrel as the barrel is split open. I mean, I don't know how you reacted, but for me, that was like, okay, movie, uh, movie's got some uh, some decent chops here and is doing something <laughs> different and characters are puking in the movie watching the, these sides. So, uh, I mean, was it too much or was it like alluring that it has those contrasts? What people see from the outside, what goes on in the inside, and then you have the comedy surrounding it a, li- a little bit. Well, was it like alluring or was it too much for you? wasn't too much i mean if if you were to sit there and judge this by like western standards or something like that you'd you know maybe complain about tonality with the film like ah well you know you can't have something this dark and then be funny later or whatever but this dark 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 stuff man uh to set the scene i don't know if you want to spoil it or sure no worries you, no but, worries uh, it's essentially a it's a it's a female, right? The subtitles refer to a he. Yeah, it it's the it's the classic thing. If I uh, m- might stop you there, B- back in the day, uh, subtitles only work with audio, right? And uh-huh. uh, he and she and differentiating uh, uh, differentiating between male and female 
if you're just listening is not always crystal clear as a matter of fact so that's why you get those errors uh, that's how chinese uh, chinese works so it's not as simple as oh he, he told said she you he so you have a, a female that has upset the queen and the queen interesting take of not showing her face throughout the majority of the film or the entirety of the film um, she's always hidden in the shadows or she's always wearing a veil covering half of her face or something along those lines. Uh, there's no real payoff to it, but I'm, I'm sure that's not the point. But the queen is upset with this person and has placed her in a, a cauldron that is suspended inside of this gigantic room. Looks like maybe uh, a barn or something along those lines. There's hay everywhere and... She's suspended six to eight feet in the air. This cauldron appears to be filled with what I'm going to assume is fecal matter. What do you? What's your take on yeah, that? Yeah, uh, w- when you see the full sight of her, it looks as like she has that smeared all yeah. over her because she's uh, been doing her business, obviously, in, in, in the cauldron or the barrel. She's talking to her. Uh, it actually uh, has a nice little payoff in the fact that the, the woman in the bucket, whatever, states that uh you know the queen's son will die a painful death and she was told it uh from a dream and uh you know some stuff you know that happens later in the film kind of ties back into that but anyway this woman does her best to shake the tub from left to right until she breaks a couple of chains and it comes falling to the floor and shatters and we get to see that she is a armless legless woman smeared with feces and this this causes everyone watching to start vomiting up their guts not the regular uh, graphic sites when it comes to these no. movies that, that's for sure and not terribly technically conveyed um either as a matter of fact because it's moody and it's surprising as well have you ever seen uh takashi Miike's dead or alive uh, yes but i don't remember much from it other than the end fight was so great and impactful that the entire earth explodes at the end between yes. those guys it's like okay fine that's a final fight all right uh but it was a wild movie uh, so i don't remember too much about it uh, as a yeah well there's a scene in it where um uh, one of uh ricky takeuchi's gang is kidnapped it's the female one by uh oh who was it reno suki uh, are you talking about the fear poop bath yes so he, he i guess he liked enemas and uh, he gave her enemas until she filled a uh, kiddie pool up with uh, feces and they drowned her in it. I don't... <laughs> hey, folks, I'm Takeshi Miike. <laughs> this is what I do. Yeah, you know, world famous Takashi Miike. Uh, friggin' been everywhere, hanging out with Quentin Tarantino. Started off by drowning women in shit pools. Quentin has his toes, I have my feces. <laughs> <laughs> The switch happens because uh, obviously we have the narrator, the Long Siho character, which obviously the story gets a thrust and good pace through the narration, but he does represent the movie that Wong Jing is. I don't know if pushing on Sherman Wong is the right word, but clearly it's the movie that the producer also wants crafted here. And, and most of the comedic shenanigans, they're, they're certainly they're amusing at most, but certainly not uh, top tier stuff or anything. Uh, but uh, Obviously, being category three, the comedic shenanigans will include uh, problems like uh, a soft penis, and I think he hits uh, he hits his penis with a hammer at one point to get it to wake up, and that doesn't help. And uh, then when he finally meets his uh, 
the girl of his dreams, uh, the eunuch that isn't quite a eunuch. And uh, she has sex with him uh, intensely. At one point, the, the subtitle says that she raped me 17 times, meaning that uh, she had sex with him so much that I raped her 17 times in return during my first time. Comedy. And it's lower common waka, denominator. Waka. waka waka. It's lower, low stuff. I have to admit, I, I can both say that, yeah, it's amusing, but it's not for the benefic- uh, benefactor of the movie. It's not beneficial for the movie. But also... It can be shamelessly fun because Wong Jing is... He insists and pokes at you until he kind of gets you. I can't dislike that, but I can be critical at the same time. You know what I mean? I'm I'm kind of conflicted, but I have a good time despite knowing that this character I would happily deselect. But those shenanigans were... You know, he got me. He poked me 17 times, I suppose. But for you, like, I'm sure you you know, giggled at uh, a thing or two here or there, but uh, if you just watch the eunuch stuff as he takes over the movie and explains his uh, uh, dilemma and meeting his wife and uh, 17 times raped, you know, was it funny? Was it good for the movie? Or was it like a good uh, breather after the cruel stuff? This is a this is probably a tangent and probably one that uh, I, I will leave you in the dark, uh, Ken, but in professional wrestling, there's been like a new organization oh, that's boy, coming around. Here we go. <laughs> I already left you the dirt. <laughs> uh, you know, there's been the WWF, WWE forever, and there's this new one called AEW. Their kind of motto tends to be wrestling should be a buffet. So their shows tend to be packed with like they have really, really like intense matches or whatever between two guys that hate each other and they gush blood and beat each other senseless but then they'll also have like really silly comedy matches in between running around the ring that (laughs) (laughs) not exactly you you should see this guy named orange cassidy sometime uh i'll send you some clips but uh very very humorous very witty Uh, it's not dumb stuff but it's a buffet it's like a little something for everybody and i feel like you know that's kind of the mentality here as well does it work in the context of a film where you expect everything to kind of you know tie into one another and be one sensible story well not exactly because it's because it's not his story uh, right. that that's the thing you got to remember too it's uh, the character of tong ji that's that it's his story as a matter of fact <laughs> This this film could probably, if you cut out a lot of the excess humor and stuff like that, you know, it'd be a very, very dark story. But not long enough because you have also the the demand of, uh, you know, crafting a 90-minute movie for, for the screenings, for the showings, obviously. But it, it didn't sound like you, uh, you, you groaned at this. You, you were like, well, I know this stuff. I know where this is coming from. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It, you watch enough of Category 3 of these sex comedies and things like that, you kind of get used to the wild uh, clashes of uh, styles and different takes. But at least I feel like with this film that the story is consistent, if nothing else. I feel like, you know, even the parts where it goes into just sex for the sake of sex, at least it's serving the actual plot. Does that make sense? I didn't feel it was too excessive. Because before we get into the... Uh, the story of the young emperor who's obviously a virgin and all of that we the the kudos i give to the movie also we, we do transfer quickly to new events uh, uh, because he quickly gets uh, to be the main assistant to the young emperor uh, and uh, he's doing uh, he's doing sh- daily shenanigans with him uh, uh, he's getting beaten by him he's doing peeping with him 
and all of that. So it's like the the the, the going good montage. Uh, that's fun enough. I I, I didn't uh, react to much to the subplot uh, of the eunuch uh, trying to make the love of his life pregnant and uh, how the evil of the palace puts a stop to this it is obviously tragic but but i didn't react too much to that because at that point the movie does set in motion the dog story the cycle of revenge for the emperor and the servant in support uh, but the basic core soon takes over and uh, you get obviously the emperor tongji played by uh, sung boon chung not an actor i'm familiar with but well cast because the emperor is supposed to be a teenager you know mm-hmm. and he looks like a kid he does it's one of those actors that doesn't pop up very frequently in these movies and they definitely it felt a little bit fresh but also not young to the extent where the infatuation he has with Yvonne Jung's character is creepy or anything it's basically easy and interesting and fast track too uh, but uh, it, it starts to get together a little bit better when it fo- the focus is on Tongji and Goilian and the punishing elements of that story and the sleazy celluloid that comes with it. Uh, and Sherman Wong proves that he can really produce some effective stuff. Uh, I'm not saying the romance is terribly affecting, but it gets to you when it turns bad, when it turns... Um, punishing i mean uh, case in point i'm sure you have a note or two on Stuart ong's torture sequence of yvonne jung which might sound funny if you talk of a long he's got a long tongue and he's whipping her and there's honey and ants and worms but no it's no fun at all that's not a sequence that's padding the movie right that story stuff after all right yeah that fits right in and pretty rough um it's it's kind of interesting. He he goes to the queen. Do you want me to tell the plot behind it? Sure, sure. Uh, add, add a little context. You're good at that. Goes to the queen and uh, goes and says that uh, the emperor's side piece, uh, his true love, has um, been going around saying that she wants to be the queen and she's going to replace the queen. So this pisses off the queen and she banishes or sells the young lady, to uh, Stuart Ong's brother. The, the subtitles were a little um, curious with this, but essentially, I guess he doesn't really have a brother, and he faked it somehow so that he was able to get her, and you know he had ownership of the girl. And so you know he unfurls his nasty plan to her in some shack somewhere and begins to beat her for you know, the simple fact that he's a degenerate. And uh, whips, beats her, strips her nude. Forces a wooden dildo up her as well. Yeah. Which is no, and, and they're not playing it for. He's not, I don't remember him cackling throughout this not at s- all, no. sequence. He's, he is, uh, Stuart is, uh, who, who can do anything really, but he's playing it for uh, for darkness rather than like, I'm so yeah. evil, I'm going to cackle throughout this sequence and make it too light and suitable. And she has a chain around her neck as well during all of it and what he throws on her at the end of it the the vase that he dumps on top of her is the subtitle said ants and you know the camera doesn't do like an extreme zoom but you can't see uh insects or something crawling all over her skin the 4k blu-ray that we watched it on unfortunately <laughs> well, well there is a blu-ray but we did we didn't get that uh, one as a matter of fact but uh, it's not uh, it's not even 4k 
semi-HD. They 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 uh, put the digital noise reduction on the scenes so, or uh, uh, on the movie, so maybe you couldn't see it very clearly. But uh, but yeah, it, it's rough stuff, man. And I mean, it's it's obviously degrading. And uh, but this is the story. This is the tragedy of the story that these are these two characters are torn apart through these um, heinous act and I don't remember if Wong Jing ever whiplashed us between comedy around these sections before he got to the Kingdom Yun stuff you know uh, it felt like for a stretch we had the focus on the story and the darkness and once she got sold to the brothel and Kingdom Yun enters then then Wong Jing entered as well I mean Julie Lee is here as well to, to ham it up so uh it felt, it felt for a while that uh, they're, they're, they're letting the, the movie play up logically in, uh, uh, and favoring the darkness. And, uh, and I mean, it, 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 just go, it just goes downhill for the characters. Uh, um, you know, at one point, uh, I suppose, it's the, yeah, yeah, it's the Emperor gets this excessive, rapidly advanced illness, which uh, they theorize, I think, uh, is it measles, is it smallpox, but um, he's probably contracted an STD, having had so much sex with all the women in the palace, uh, out of, you know, anger and spite and frustration, because he's lost the love of his life at that point. Uh, but uh, even that thing, Joshua, they, they managed to sort of pour salt in our wounds further by sort of just sticking to yeah, he's, he's rapidly deteriorating before us. Just watch it. Watch it! <laughs> Critics proof? Probably not, but I, I stand by the fact that it's it's effective. It uh, it, it's, uh, it makes you go, ooh, when you're in the, that part of the story, that that's quite engaging. And then when you have the comedic whiplash and Kingdom Yun enters, it's the most successful whiplash of the movie because it's her. And she's <laughs> her comedic energy for some reason never fails. <laughs> Always on point. So, 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 what's the essence of Kingdom Yun's uh, role here? Uh, you know, she, she, she she's uh, the leader of the brothel, but uh, she's a teacher as well. Yeah, I mean, isn't Julie Lee also one of the leaders? Like Julie Lee and Kingdom, I, I, you know, they're essentially teachers at the brothel because the girls show up and. They need to teach them double slut foot, Joshua. Double slut foot? Did yeah, I that, that was one, one of the techniques of uh, Julius. <laughs> <laughs> like strength and balance and double slut foot. Oh, I should have wrote down all And the super rubbing, I wrote down. The super that. rubbing, yeah. That, is that the one where she, she would take her butt and rub it on the papers and the papers sling across the room? Yeah. And land and exactly. I mean, all of a sudden, it's all crazy and wacky again. But <laughs> but for me, this was the most uh, successful attempt at that because um, you you have uh, you have the ladies here to um, to act up a storm. But uh, any, makes a great introduction during the the first training sequence as well, doing the classic Hong Kong running on top of. I guess it would be a sheet or something like that lifted in the air. She's doing the running, flying in the air like a wuxia film, but then trips and falls, and lands on her side yeah. and tries to save it. I don't think it's us that's, that's desensitized to that humor. I think gen- genuine, I think they nailed this sequence, even though we've come out of some darkness. This yes. is a tragic story, and now Yvonne Jung is there, like, the watching... The previous scene was the beating and ant pile <laughs> sequence. But let's have the Wong Fei-Hung theme play, and have the uh, 
eight semi-devils sex, te- sex techniques taught to Yvonne Jung. And of course it is wrong, but it's funny. When the Wong Fei Hong uh, music started playing, I started cracking up. <laughs> you know what's coming. It's like, oh my god. I'm watching a Hong Kong film. My wife, my wife, she can probably listen to your movies and hear like the screaming and the torture. And then she hears the Wong Fei Hung theme. And she's probably going to say to you from the other room, are you watching a Hong Kong movie? Yes. <laughs> but does it work as the second movie within Sex and the Emperor? I mean, uh, uh, I mean, uh, was it full of highlights, this uh, stretch of the movie in the brothel? It's a highlight entirely different than the other stuff, you know. I feel like you'd get more people to watch this for the sensational violence and stuff like that, but the comedy is great. You know, back in the day, I used to um, hate Last House on the Left, the original, because mm-hmm. of um, some of the goofy-ass comedy in that with the cops trying to find... You know, I think back on that film, I don't even remember the cops all that well. I do remember the torture and I feel like the failure of that film is as much in the disparity of tone, but also in the fact that the fucking cops just weren't very funny. It's just comedy that failed. And, uh, you know, this is not that. Well, well the difference there in, in all honesty, I mean, uh, you crucify is all you want uh, for, because we're talking of a cheap movie here, but the difference there versus here is, um, newbie filmmakers and veteran filmmakers yeah true i i, I think uh, wong jing is hovering over this movie and he knows what to communicate uh, you know if the, if the director isn't sure of himself wong jing is effective at communicating uh, what kind of pace and energy it needs to go into a scene and that includes working with his action director because as you just described we have stuff here that requires action directing with uh with uh, uh wire stuff so I, I think that's the difference. I mean, if Wes Craven ever went back to like 20 years later, I'm going to try and remake it again and see if I can, can make it funny and scary. But, you know. Yeah, because he, he did later in his career have humor in his horror movies and stuff and was much more successful. Very much so. Uh, whether whether the people under the stairs or... or I was that movie and, that was on my brain too. It, it's, it is acceptable to have the light stuff here for, for a short while along with the main tragic continually graphic story but but ultimately i like the cruelty and unfairness better uh, if you look at the story of the movie but it also argues that some of our comedy we're going to make coexist and we're, we're going to make you like it and uh, you're going to be okay with that uh, and uh, it, it is okay because uh, we got some performance here that uh, it's going to take you away and uh, but then we're going to snap back into <laughs> face-off stuff Mm-hmm. And I won't say anything more than that because uh, out of the few that might uh, seek out this movie, uh, yipes! Yeah, face off stuff. The the images stay with you, and sometimes the movies we cover, Joshua, the images do not stay with you at all. They're they're just sort of there and say me. And uh, if you give this movie any props, is it is that the images do stay with you. So so it's not badly executed, but it's problematic in, in certain areas. But I remember that now, I didn't write it down, but like, like the final action sequence where the unit gets his um, revenge, they do, a, um, they do an ambush out in the desert. I remember that being <laughs> a gloriously violent. Violent. Like, like uh, limbs torn off and necks uh, snapped and all of that. So 
it was it was odd. It's like I've never seen it done in any other movie, but like there's multiple little sequences in that where like it, it's a very quick scene. It's not like a big battle, but like uh, he hires these assassins to you know help him. Basically, I'm not gonna spoil it, but uh, to capture a person of significance, and uh, the assassins are like such badass martial artists that when they basically like somebody's throwing a punch and they block the punch with their own fist and it causes the person's you know shoulder to completely dislocate and the <laughs> fracture bone stick out of their arm it's like that scene in um in story of ricky where the two guys punch each other's hands at the same time and ricky just sm- obliterates his hand yeah. except the the damage is done further up the arm yep it's it's a delightful sequence that um you know logically <laughs> tone wise also should have a tough time to to fit into all of this but it right. actually does uh, because it just goes for it and i suppose uh, that's the key is that they, they push it uh, further i guess the thought is you know um, this sequence involves revenge and the audience is going to want to see some kind of uh retribution you know for making these characters have to go through this uh, so it's it's a it's an odd fun cruel one that uh, manages to uh, affect fairly well in uh, that cruel department if you will and um even though he didn't do many movies i think the um sherman wong um, directed uh, i mean 12 movies but there was a gap between uh, this and uh, then we were uh, at the end of the night it's soon thereafter and these weren't the kind of movies that uh, were uh, trendy anymore so uh, these were the two movies we actually watched the third movie that he he did but it wasn't a graphic or anything Um, we did a movie called Unforgetful Holiday where Charlie Cho and the ladies get stuck on an island and and shenanigans happen but it it was a sex comedy not not unacceptable as a sex comedy but it didn't have cruelty like uh, like this so he he had a a streak of category 3 Oops. No pregnant women beaten until they miscarry. Nope. Uh, I don't remember that. I don't remember Charlie doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they smoked pot in it. I remember that. Oh, did, yeah. Uh, and oh, did yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, dirty yeah. karaoke, uh, which, of course, Charlie did. <laughs> uh, so, singing dirty lyrics. At any rate, if you don't have any other notes, let's do some brief availability. The U- UHD 4K release. Well, yeah, it, that's half, half true. I mean, it had an older Maya... DVD release with burned-in subtitles, uh, which we watched, uh, but uh, it got a remastered DVD and Blu-ray upgrade in Hong Kong a few years ago. The HD transfer looked uh, very soft and smeary based on screen captures and clearly had some digital noise uh, reduction or removal put on it, so it really um, it, uh, it looked greater, but it also looked like they put paint thinner on the movie. Which was a shame. It, sh- uh, it should have looked uh, better. That edition and the old edition, they're, they're all elusive. And um, I, I found the Blu-ray, but it was way, way, way overpriced uh, secondhand. So we stuck to uh, the older DVD edition with uh, with uh, presumably the funnier subtitles. Presumably. So so yeah. That's Sex and the Emperor for you, so that's the cruel out of the way, and after the music break, we're going to watch the nicer movie, Way to Success, how someone picks themselves uh, pick themselves uh, up and uh, reinvents themselves as a pimp, 
and it's actually it's a nice movie believe it or not so we're gonna let you know about that after the music break Welcome back in the second review of this episode is Way to Success, a nice movie out of uh, this uh, dual, uh, uh, this uh, bunch of movies, the naughty and the nice movie, this is the nice movie, so after the face-off movie that we uh, watched, uh, Sex and the Emperor, here's the, uh, the nice movie, and it's from 1993, and plot from my review of the film goes as follows, uh, the character of Chu Yat Hong, played by actor Wong Wai Tak, is an insurance salesman facing pressure from his uh, fiance and uh, depending in-laws. He's doing well in his field, he's due for a bonus, but he's set up by his boss and mistress who makes him lose his job and everything as a result. Now in debt and starting over as a motel keeper, i.e. he's working the desk at a brothel. Chu's savvy business sense kicks into gear and eventually he starts his own stable, or he builds his own stable of prostitutes. The super cool prostitutes I talked of um, at the top of the show. So... This is a director Terence Jung's only film. He was otherwise an assistant director on 18 films, including new wave notables and classics such as The Secret, Alan Fong's rare but famous drama Father and Son, we're talking early 80s here, and uh, he was also an AD on the Michael Hoy comedy Chicken and Duck Talk, and um, kind of uh, called it quits on uh, behind-the-scenes work uh, with ways to success. Like, he entered the directing field and then then he didn't do anything and it's a shame because i think uh and this is transitioning into my quick opinion i think he has crafted a, a movie that i find quite enjoyable I, I like that it's shameless enough to make this story a positive one about picking yourself up again by going into the field of pimping and prostitutes <laughs> but it's somehow harmless and, and also way more focused than most category three comedies of its kind so it was a blind watch when i when i got like the laser disc uh, copy through through torrents or trading and i i, I enjoyed it it was a, a nice movie that chooses this story so uh that's um that's a little thumbs up for me in uh, short joshua what did you think of uh this uh this uh a way to success movie the, the nice one that doesn't have any face off uh, whatsoever it's just plain nice and uh, it's a mild little comedy isn't it you know it's it reminds me of um a lot of 80s comedies a lot of like the sex comedies and things like that that were so popular at the time like not necessarily like porkies but like weekend at bernie's it it has that similar like harmless like ah you know we're just taking the piss out of everything sort of attitude but it does have like pretty fucked up uh you know content to it you know it's not exactly the most uh, friendly film to progressive ideas. It's very much canceled in, in terms of like cancel culture or whatever you want to call it. Let's do our best to cancel it then, even though no one can get it, essentially. <laughs> exactly. That's why they can't get it, because it's been canceled. Would you say it's a category-free comedy that sort of a little bit better in quality i suppose is a little bit more focused uh, rather than stringing together some sex and some silly comedy whereas like a lot of the not necessarily worst films we watch but a lot of the other type of films you know that we end up 
<laughs> taking part in. It, it's taking not, part in. Um, <laughs> taking, but what, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> We're going to Oculus Rift ourselves into category three movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, a lot of the films we watch, it seems like that's what they're going for is that 80s comedy vibe. But they fail in many regards because, like you said, it just becomes tangential. And so many, like, you know, we're going to go off in this area because this seems like a good idea now, you know, and so and so is not available today to shoot. So let's just go shoot some crazy shit. And, you know, you end up with a story that's far from focused, you know, and whereas this, it seems like it does, like I said, it fits more into that mold of the eighties comedy because it's so not laser focused, but it's just, it's more of a, a steady, you know, type of plot development. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, they, it, it's not a gem or anything, but I think the director Terrence Young is pretty, assured of what he's doing for someone who directed only once and uh, otherwise worked on on movie sets including comedies and uh, and dramas and and i think he's in it to sort of uh, to sort of win this uh mostly he does uh, it's uh, it's not perfect for sure and it isn't a gem but i think uh, the the focus carries it well and it's also not an extremely broad time if you list content it is but it isn't coming off as incredibly waka waka i mean uh, there are of course uh, select beats of that like you know at the top when he's being seduced by the boss's wife who's uh, uh cutting uh, cutting her eyes with an ice pick and she's called sharon stone <laughs> 1993 so <laughs> cutting comedy there is that, and, and obviously the plot concerns, you know, you know, the shady brothel scene in Hong Kong uh, that existed in Hong Kong. Uh, um, and but but it's not. I don't know if you agree with this, despite thinking of like that, that was crazy, that was fucked up, that was crazy. But it isn't extremely broad, nor is it very distressing. It's treating it as um, kind of uh, almost uh, fluffy and compelling, in a way. Does that make sense? No, it does, and. and- you know, in some ways, I think that would probably offend viewers even more, you know, is making kind of light of the sex trafficking trade, essentially. Yeah, it seems very super cool. <laughs> it does. It's like, seems like a great way to make money. You know, you can take care of your family, you know, it's good stuff. All the ladies are treated great, you know, as long as they got a good pimp. A bad pimp, you don't want to be with a bad pimp, but a good pimp, man, he's going to give you insurance, he's going to take care of you. And he's not going to try and fuck you either. Oh no, he's not going to, no, because he's a good guy. And yet it's, um, it's, uh, it is very pleasant to follow, and uh, it's not uh, spiking in terms of like, we're doing comedy now, and uh, we're going to yeah. go into uh, some, some dipping in terms of like, it's going to be grim now, and then comedy! <laughs> it keeps it quite uh, even tempered, right. and uh, like the character of uh, of uh, Chu, he's uh, a little bit uh, lost in his own head. He's not doing the company chant. You know, what do we want most? Cars and houses. And uh, uh, he's not made for that world. But eventually he does encourage his uh, his uh, prostitutes, I almost said brides, but his prostitutes, to, to seek out their goals, uh, even if those goals are about wealth. So he's not obviously... Mm-hmm. he's. He's on board with that, but when he, it uh, it's only good for him, and he's only motivated and inspired to seek out those uh, 
to seek out wealth once he's in a job that he uh, that he feels inspired in. So so again, the, the, this sounds awfully like inappropriate, of course. But uh, and uh, I guess the shameless aspect that hovers over the movie is something I enjoy. But it the movie gains a lot of ground by not being flimsy and all over the place and loud. Uh, it kind of gets uh, the, the the vibe of that uh, gets established, even though you know the comedy is about him being so easily easily pushed around and manipulated uh, by the, the the so-called wife i mean i i gather sharon stone was not, not the wife but the mistress so even after the boss comes in on cue because they've set up uh, set up so he they don't have to pay his bonus or something like that uh, even when he comes in you try to rape my wife and obviously he has lipstick all over his face <laughs> Which a rape victim, I don't think, would uh, gladly uh, put on. Yeah, <laughs> a rapist. But uh, it's it's totally like um, they they can screw him over so uh, so easily. And then there is the identifiable aspect of the movie, like a, a man like him has the pressure on him to provide the marriage, to provide the baby, to provide the money for 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 the wedding. So there are real concerns uh, baked into this. Uh, this but uh, i'm coming back to the point that it's an amusing pileup of mild little gags rather than crazy loud wild wacky gags that might grate on you and i, I don't know about you but i, I appreciated uh, its restraint in that regard that it keeps it ever so slightly less noisy if that makes sense no i agree i think that uh the word harmless <laughs> it fits the film in so many different ways even though we're talking about a movie that deals with pimps and prostitutes, it's uh, a triad. And triad's called Scumbag Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Scumbag Dick, great character name. I don't know. It's just it's kind of a fun little quaint little comedy wrapped up in a sleaze bag world. You know, giving it its rating. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it uh, it obviously uh, takes full advantage of uh, of the rating and uh, therefore nudity is. Uh, We'll, I think we'll get back to this point, but even in the scene where where Sharon Stone seduces him, the, the nudity is so casual. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the movie is uh, designing this to be like um, her to have like a disrobing moment mm-hmm. kind of thing. You almost forget about it that, oh yeah, nudity, cool. Yeah. But um, the actual point of like the training scene later in the movie, that is more fun. Rather than like, oh, yeah. look, nudity. That's not a feeling you get from most category free movies. It's like, oh yeah, here we go. Honestly, there, there's a lot in each sex scene in the movie, whereas like a lot of category three films, you can fast forward. You're not going to miss any dialogue. It's just going to be three, four minute sex scene of people. Oh, look, you know, there's Paul and Chan in the shower again. Fuck. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why, God? <laughs> But um, yeah, this one like there's usually there's something going on. You're getting some kind of piece of character development, you know, whether it's showing a prostitute that's very lazy, and you know, you're seeing this part of her character, like she doesn't want to even take part in all of this, but she still continues to somehow, you know, or if she's seducing someone so that she can use them or manipulate them in some way. There's usually something. There's a reason behind the sex scene it seems that off the top of my head yeah uh, very much true because it's also it, it has a little bit of pretty woman vibe uh, too um, I'm, I'm thinking they had that in the back of their heads in terms of the uh, transforming the 
prostitute into someone respectable, I suppose. But uh, it, it, it's just a mild echo because Pretty Woman wasn't about like, oh, she's a mess, but rather that he right. uh, wanted to uh, reform her, I suppose. And uh, this is not the uh, uh, pure um, intent. Uh, but but as I said, it is a suitable volume to the humor, even when uh, uh, the our character is uh, when he uh, borrows money from the loan sharks, he uh, doesn't leave uh, fingerprints or signs a contract. He leaves a uh, toe prints as well, because they just gotta <laughs> make sure that uh, they have him. Because uh, he may ropes. chop off his fingers. Yes, says. exactly. <laughs> And and I love the fact that he needs to borrow fifty thousand, and they say that the interest rate is ten uh, percent per day or whatever, and they deduct it immediately from his what he actually needed to borrow. So he only ends up with forty five thousand. And I'm I'm hopping on about it. It's not done for the sake of let's let's do the verbal gag and then wah, 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 I only got forty five thousand. Do it doesn't yeah. do that. It has a suitable uh-huh. volume. It, it it's in the situation and. You either get that right or or it's simply boring. And I think he mostly got that right. I found myself laughing at, like, he can't catch a break. They, they, they just push him over like crazy. That's amusing. It's not laugh out loud funny necessarily, but it's it's amusing. It's uh, understated gags, you know, which, <laughs> which, you know, Category 3 cinema is not well known for. Not that this is like, you know a top flight comedy or anything like that it's it's just more of a you know delightful little find i guess yeah i think so and uh, he, I, I like the reversal of um uh, coming back to that triad character scumbag dick love that name <laughs> uh who you think is going to be scumbag dick but who's, uh, who's actually more of a reasonable uh, he's a past uh, friend of choose uh, he's actually reasonable as uh, a triad uh, he uh, has some instincts in terms of um how to uh, gain an advantage financially and he's uh, actually he's setting out to help his friend uh, of course they do the phone scam together it's, which is a very funny sequence but uh, it all transitions into him getting him a job at the at the uh, at the motel and uh, uh, hanging out at the desk and uh, and uh, handing businesses uh, accounting business from there and it never ends up like, like late in the final reel that uh, now pay me back for all I did for you or I'll you know rape everyone in sight and chop you up and then you get you get the dark ending no you don't because scumbag dick is uh, is alright let's transition into uh, you, you mentioned a prostitute that uh, is uh, is lazy and uh, hygiene level isn't necessarily or education level isn't necessarily at at its highest, uh, with uh, the character of Michelle or Beggar So, yes, they name her <laughs> So So yeah. They do say that on the soundtrack. Simon Yun's character in Drunken Master <laughs> was in Chinese called So which is one of the ten tigers of Guan uh, Guangdong or Canton in real life. But there's no reason she doesn't do a uh, uh, Drunken Master sex or for some that kind of sex service. It's just that. Yeah, he is a beggar, and she looks like crap. She has filthy <laughs> manners. So hot you. And spontaneous notes on, on watching that character. Was it a funny image of seeing a pr- pretty compelling-looking woman just uh, being a little bit nasty, I suppose? She definitely filled her role out uh, correctly. I think Kingdom Yoon would have been a great... Uh, could have played that part very well. Busy, busy doing... Um, 
AIDS jokes for Wong Ying. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, she did a great job. She really did kind of look uh, pretty rough <laughs> at the beginning of the film. And then her progression into a uh, upstanding lady of the night is uh, quite humorous. Good stuff. Her priority as she uh, comes into the motel where they're going to await customers is that she, she wants to watch TV, her quiz, quiz show. And she doesn't get the answers quite right. She thinks that Hitler died of AIDS. <laughs> yes. Like they ask on the quiz show, like, what did Hitler die of? Obviously suicide. AIDS! <laughs> no? Damn it, I while, it while having sex with a man. <laughs> yeah, she's sitting on him like his furniture. Yeah. So this, she's sitting there yelling about, uh, I forget what the question was, but she ends up yelling like, small, small, while riding his penis. And Which brings back the point, like, I, I like, not many movies do this where you she, because she's naked, and right. uh, but, but they're distracting away from not that they should or need distract away from the nudity. Uh, but it was the last thing I thought of, not because she was nasty, but because they distract us away from mm-hmm. the fact that it's a sex scene in a in a dodgy motel, and she's watching TV. She watching she's watching a show, and I thought that was rather amusing that they distracted right. us away from the nudity by doing that instead. Get the feeling that the uh, the filmmaker he's trying to reach quotas while at the same time he's like fuck it, I want to flesh out these characters I want to do something more than just uh, categories three sex film you know within this you all you also realize and this is the sort of moral the, the hard pill to swallow morally <laughs> that these prostitutes are not uh, tragic at all and right it's gonna work out just fine. And this profession is going to work out just fine. <laughs> and morally, it's pretty hard to swallow, I suppose. But I, I, I like that it's, uh, it isn't propaganda. It, it isn't here to sort of like, I'm going to make a statement about the prostitution no. industry because I view it as something nice, damn it. And I'm going <laughs> to put that into my movie. It's just a sort of mild swell time for adults made by filmmakers who actually gave a little bit of a crap. And everyone's asked to bring a little bit of acting in order to logically uh, fit the structure and uh, and the evolving story beats of the character of uh, uh, Chu by director Terence Young as he picks himself up again is all amusing and mild and fun. And uh, then the category free rating is there to, as you said, uh, give that sheen on the movie. And uh, I'm sure it could have gotten away with being a lower rating, but uh, heck, why, why not? Uh, Focus on doing your 80s-style comedy, but having the op- uh, the option to uh, to do nudity and uh, even uh, raunchy language. Because uh, as you might remember, there, there's some bleeps on the soundtrack where they bleep out uh, language that's too strong for, for the rating. Even. Um, any moments otherwise that stand out uh, in terms of when, you know, uh, <laughs> when we see some other customers and what they are... Uh, because men, men are pigs, and they're, uh, they have kinks, if you will. So th- there are some uh, bits where uh, one of the other girls uh, is asked to uh, asked to dance like Veronica Yip, and then she they engage in rape play because the guy wants it. Like, is that was that fun for this movie? Or did that feel like, oh yeah, he, here's the stuff we've seen before? <laughs> well, no, I think that even then, it's it's making a joke out of the whole thing because it's the least convincing rape play you've ever seen you know the veronica yep stuff is silly uh, i i never got that joke because uh, I, i'm sure she um had got into singing to some degree because uh, uh she's asked to dance like uh, veronica yep and she moves in a particular way so i think that's a 
current cultural popular culture joke that we don't get because we've only seen the movies. But, but I am certain she's not doing it in a very convincing way because no. she looks ridiculous. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the third one is, and each time he wants to do something kinky, she's hitting him up for a hundred dollars for each thing. And on the third thing, he's like, you know, whip me with this uh, cat of nine tails. And so she just starts to take advantage of him, beating the shit out of him. That's good stuff. <laughs> I like that she 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 has a wonderful. Uh time into her delivery when he presents uh, i didn't know what that was called but that particular whip uh, canon nine tails but uh, she says but you knew you knew so that, that's an insight into your life <laughs> but but her timing is great well, when she sees that and he asks her and she says fine i'll do it for free <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right right i suppose uh, the the stuff that uh, comes and goes a little bit too quickly and uh, you wonder like well wasn't this going to be part of the structure is the whole green card marriage bit i said yeah it's a bit of a tangent you know that one just goes off into almost nothingness yeah scumbag dick asks his friend to because uh, he's brought in a, a prostitute from singapore malaysia and if they marry then uh, the green card situation is uh, complete and they need to live together for a while and they need to sync up their stories as these uh, thing, things goes i mean she she disappears presumably because she finds work elsewhere but um, it, it's still a decent little sequence because they have uh, they have some fun uh, when they learn each other's stories and uh, their likes and dislikes and it's all about uh, measurements and uh, that she loves masturbation that she hates Andy Lau and that she hates Aaron Kwok and then when the immigration department comes uh, comes a knocking then uh, there's uh, some um, ill synchronization between their stories not unfunny but it's one of those things that I, I, I think th- this was a bit for the movie that, that didn't fit the structure necessarily yeah it was kind of uh, bizarre and I do <sighs> I do get find it humorous that uh, this is what the filmmakers imagined that uh, these people would actually do. Come and ask about favorite actresses and fucking measurements. I have no idea what my wife's measurements are. I'd be fucked. At least the movie that the movie isn't uh, going into like these uh, black holes of bad comedy. I mean, it, it's a decent sequence, and the fact that they get out of it by uh, talking of their sexual habits and convince i don't know they get out of it somehow and that's fine but oh it, you, you were counting the number lose. of times we had sex you were counting your masturbation oh that's why oh, yeah have we convinced <laughs> you government <laughs> well, suppose so and then the sequence is over the, the true structure um as as uh chew here is uh is uh training his prostit- prostitutes it's about him uh He's not perfect as a pimp, but he has his instinct. So I love the sequence. I really do. Uh, the sort of middle sequence of when he trains uh, Michelle or Begasso on uh, the 36 dances of lovemaking. And they do apartment training and they do, you know, it's a gym session. They're not fucking. It's a gym, <coughs> gym session. And again, Joshua, I ask you, do you remember necessarily from this sequence and when Scumbag Dick enters and sort of boils it down to 10 stances of lovemaking, does the nudity stand out for you? Or does the comedy stand out for you? Comedy. I think so. I, you know, there's very few parts of this uh, film where you'd sit there and say, ah, this is, you know, whack-off footage, you know, or whatever. <laughs> this is just, it's almost everything serves the point of... Uh, 
pursuing a character or pursuing comedy, you know, and this bit is a little bit of both, but mostly comedy. Because his 36 dances are, they're, they're way too exaggerated and uh, it's, uh, you, you really need to boil it down to 10, which, which is why I love the character Scumbag Dick, that it, I, 10 is fine. I know this well. So let's have um, a demonstration from Miss Happy involving uh, bottles uh, put in uh, different orifices. Orifices, yes. <laughs> so uh, fun sequence or memorable sequence as they uh, as they demo uh, uh, only uh, not any not any anal uh, anal training, of course, but they, they, they <laughs> certainly they certainly get a mileage out of that coke bottle. Oh yeah, they do. That's a, a very quick and easy prop. Now, here's the question. Do you think they gimmicked the Coke bottle? Like whenever uh, she put the entire Coke bottle in her mouth? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a trick shot, obviously. Uh, you can see that. Uh, it, it, uh, they, they do the shot in uh, profile as she uh, inserts and it. The and, then, part, right? and then yeah. the second part is obviously like half or one third of a Coke bottle and probably, and probably not a glass one. Do you think they, you think they cut the bottle is what they did? I think so. And probably not a glass one at that point because you, you don't want to cut I know. Third of a bottle. Unless that lady is very talented. This is Hong Kong. She might have had some glass in her mouth. Fuck. Take a sword, like a sword, and just cut the damn bottle. And then she just, like, tried not to cut the inside of her mouth, maybe. Yeah. That's a special effects, man, in a Category 3 movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's one of those. Yeah, I'm sure you can find it in a an American eighties sex comedy. Maybe not as graphic as this, but obviously um, a quite a liberated. Uh, I think uh, I've seen scenes with bananas that are similar. You know, did, did it overstate welcome, or is this one of the things that they it, they're gonna go through? In essentially, all ten of the stances uh, involving the coke bottle or not? They, I mean, they they use a. I mean, they use a straw at one point to uh, to train a uh, sort of oral technique, so it's not all like stuffing the bottle, uh, stuff stuffing the bottle everywhere. But uh, but but it's a fun uh, sequence to have because it's, it uh, transitions into it's a grassroots campaign to get people to visit his uh, establishment because he, he hands out flyers and things like that. So after this sequence is done, so is it uh, is it fitting the structure? Is it uh, part of the good flow of the movie? It's not uh, it's not uh, staying on one thing too long kind of thing. Films of this variety usually have something like this, and I think that uh, it fit pretty well. It's not really vulgar, you know. Uh, I think that uh, there's naked girls kind of grinding on each other uh but other than that you know it's pretty pretty harmless stuff the um sequence where she one girl takes a coke bottle sticks it in her vagina like the you know the smaller part and begins to walk with it fyi people the smaller part. yeah <laughs> well yeah i mean you don't go full bore like that but um but, you know, it's done in a manner that, you know, while I'm saying that sounds incredibly vulgar, it's really she's wearing a skirt, right? So you don't actually see anything. There's no insertion shots or anything like that. You just see a Coke bottle hanging probably from, you know, some kind of clip on her panties or something like that. Damn you, uh, revealing these <laughs> movie magic We're just magic going tricks. into the science behind all the... Uh, 
all of the, the special effects, the amazing special effects and way to success. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's goofy and it's fun. You know, there's nothing to complain about here. This is good stuff. And and, and again, I mean, depending on the viewer you are, you might think this story is wholly unacceptable, but it was a different time, I suppose. But I, I, I just find it kind of delightful that you, you, you never saw a, a movie in Hong Kong anyway where it, where pimp educated his uh, girls and was cool yes. and kind to his prostitutes. I mean, even it, it sounds demeaning, but even after you get the uh, the the workout montage, he uh, he stamps them with a cue. Uh, I was thinking, like quality is like, <laughs> well, what's that the was, cue about? <laughs> what? Yeah, I was wondering that myself. And and they sort oh. of they, they they don't go yeah, but they sort of like we got the stamp. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and he, he even got he's even got morals and ethics sexually, so the girls like him even better, and he's boasting in there, and he's boasting the economy, Joshua, which is yes. what I find so delightful that this movie dares to argue, but he, he knows it's fiction; it's not doing social commentary, but it sort of knows um, dares to argue that yeah, it's business. You know, it's a business like everything else is a business. So uh, boosting economy is good and uh, respectful, I suppose. It, that idea, w- w- which is sort of emphasized by the end, of course, but that idea carried me through the movie very nicely that they're doing this, aren't they? They, aren't, they are treating it like it's on front street, that uh, it's business to uh, be respected if you do well in it. So much of the movie carries over from like the '80s mentality, even you know, even in Hollywood, you know. And I, I just think about like think about the boardroom scene where everyone's going around, you know, what are your goals? And everybody's goal is something, you know, very surface level, some you know, accomplishment based upon finances. And you know, you think about like Back to the Future, one of my favorite films, and it's like we you know. You know, it's been criticized before, but like, what is the main, you know, what is the sign of success at the end of the movie? It's that, you know, Marty's got a nice truck and his father's now successful and, you know, everybody's financially much better, you know, even though, you know, is that the be all end of life? No, but it's probably not the best word to describe it, but there's something kind of quaint about it. Yeah, and it doesn't uh, push this on us like uh, we're clever satirical and social commentators we're changing the game here no because it's a it's a little comedy but but it uh, employs techniques and provides quality that's uh, not unheard of in quality of... with a cue yes exactly they'll stop that and and uh, i mean there's a little bit of violence here some rivals beat him up but there's nothing here that makes this grim it doesn't take that uh schizophrenic approach that Hong Kong movies does by having him beat up and chopped up or um, you know so violence has a place but even Billy the rival triad is uh, is a goofball really he's right. uh, he's never this uh, vicious or threatening presence because the movie doesn't um, feel like um, it, it's necessary to um, to have like a doom and gloom present here possible doom and gloom it rather wants to focus on that uh, if you uh, if you pursue your goals with kindness and you got a head on your shoulders, you too, as I said in the beginning, will manage a stable of super nice prostitutes, and you'll even get to that hold... you refer to as horses. Yes, in the in the the slang for these, uh, they don't use chicken as slang for these, as is uh, often uh, the case. But horses, a horse trainer, yeah, exactly, and he can hold grand receptions because of uh, he's achieved status by the end, and uh, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna enter the stock market. They're gonna register as a as a company that you can buy stock. 
uh, from. So, uh, I mean, possibly it's satirical because of that. It, it's uh, the drive that he's displayed uh, gets him to these places. But, uh, yeah. you know, regardless, it's a pleasant adult com- comedy using questionable methods. But I, I think it's funny and it's fun and it's amusing. Quaint is a good word. And the, the rare sign of focus in a category three comedy is uh, is here and there. A mo- movie that doesn't use a lot of the familiar faces from the genre. Uh, so some of them pop in uh, that, that you recognize the faces off but uh, it's not a name movie uh, like, like, like his uh, former co-worker the guy who plays the virgin he's played the virgin a couple of times because he just looks like it <laughs> and uh, but he was happy to uh, to get that uh, get that role charlie would not get that role because he's not a virgin damn it are you talking about the guy with like the the glasses yes of course i am talking guy. about the guy with the glasses was he was, is he the guy from um gates of hell the guy that was like you know Big bus, no, or whatever. no, not the grasp uh, bus kind of thing. Grasp, uh, no, grasp not him, guy. not him. Looks like him, looks though. like Come him, on. but uh, yeah, but no, yeah, yeah, of the same type, I suppose, <laughs> of the same <laughs> cinematic type. But. We, just think, we we lost out on a movie starring those two guys. Fuck, yeah, that would have been a double act. God. That would have been a movie. They would always be in agreement in terms of uh, things being amazing. Like, yeah. uh, look at their busts. They're amazing. Are they <laughs> real? Are they plastic? <laughs> and they're, they're going to do dual uh, grasp hand bust. Oh, the grasp there. hand thing. Yeah, that's that's their little sign, you know. You could do Bill and Ted, like the, the Hong Kong Category 3 Bill and Ted with just those two guys. So they go back in time to grasp the busts in the air. Yes. <laughs> they're not there to grope. They're just going to grab it in the air. Like, uh, look at those medieval, <laughs> medieval uh, maidens. <laughs> Let's do a let's do a sign and get out of here. Exactly. What's the point of this? Does this affect history? Not that much. <laughs> For us, it does. <laughs> just sort of on the outskirts, oh, looking in. Man, hey, man, what would their time traveling device be, though? I wonder. Yeah, I mean, you like a, a big dildo? No, that'd be silly. <laughs> but uh, maybe just a car of some sort. I don't know. Giant penis sounds good. You know, they enter into it like the, what you call it, the phone booth. You know, about the, a giant penis the size of a phone booth. Be perfect. Kind of high, too high concept because uh, they're, they're not that ambitious as characters. They're just going around history watching people with big busts, you know. <laughs> wow, are they real? Are they plastic? Know, amazing. <laughs> and of course, George Carlin would reprise his role <laughs> Carlin would reprise his role <laughs> yeah you too I can't do a George Carlin voice <laughs> he'd speak English they'd have no idea what he was talking about <laughs> they'd get in the giant dildo they'd go back in time and they'd you know go grasp busts there's no there's no uh, si- grasp bust sign to be made towards uh, Rufus so we're just gonna ignore him and be on our way and they play the music every time they do the grasp bust thing <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Grass Bust Brothers. Excellent venture. <laughs> well, not a bad 90s Hong Kong movie title. There's been some gems, uh, Category 3 or not, uh, on, on an unrelated uh, thing. There's a movie called Shockwave 2 coming out uh, with Andy Lau, who plays a, a bomb disposal officer. Right. And uh, Lao Ching Wan is in it. And Lao Ching Wan also did a movie in the 90s. It's a comedy, uh, nothing. Uh, 
category free about it but he did a comedy in the 90s with a delightful title called bomb disposal officer baby bomb <laughs> so why wouldn't you watch a movie like that so um, yeah you're onto something there but uh, yeah gates of hell try and find it and then listen to our episode on it it's a that's a green movie with some silly sequences uh, like the one we uh, describe where they go to a strip club and uh, the guy with the glasses of course is uh, infatuated by uh, the fact that uh, the busts are out on display and uh, he's he's doing running commentary let's just say that (laughs) i made a youtube video not a long time ago too that uh, includes some of the best clips from that film Good stuff. Exactly. Uh, safe for work, kind of, uh, or because it's on YouTube. But uh, but yeah, there, there, there's a montage of the guy. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm glad you liked it because uh, it uh, really uh, did surprise me when I watched it and I gave it a favorable review. I said this pleasant uh, little movie uh, using uh, questionable story methods, but heck, they they saw it through, didn't they? didn't they? Yes, they did. Uh, so, any any other notes? Any highlights that you wanted to mention or forgot to mention? Well, now that we've mentioned that guy, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a lot of it. No, I'm, I think uh, we talked about pretty much some of the best moments and kind of why it's special, I guess. Yeah, I do. I do want to find choices that um, kind of made an impact on me because Sex and Emperor did. As this, oh, wow. That was Doc <laughs> and this Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Hong Kong movies, and and then there was this who uh, treated its uh, subject uh, in a in a light uh, fashion and uh, and got away with it pretty uh, confidently even. So uh, there is that. So it's uh, it may not be available, but it's certainly not. Uh, I mean, heck, I don't know if you followed Hong Kong Blu-ray release schedule in 2020 in particular. Because they reissued uh, movies that have been out of circulation for quite a while, whether Supernatural or ghost movies with Sam Hong or whatever, or uh, Choi Hawk actioners that has been out of circulation for a while. But even Category 3 movies, obscure ones even. If they, they've done a couple of the Rape by an Angel ones, which is cool because they some of them, at least in the case of Rape by an Angel 4, the Rapists Union, it's had um, reinstated footage, right? And even uh, minutes of it. So uh, that's pretty cool. So we got um, stuff that was uh, could not get into uh, the old version of it, but is now present. They didn't discard the footage. But you also got extremely obscure titles like Horrible High Heels, which is uh, a movie where a murderer, he skins uh, women and uh, uses their skin to make, their, to make shoes. And it, it's not a good movie. It's very low budget. It's got some standout moments. That came mm. to Blu-ray. And Beautiful. No, no one asked for it, but they did it anyway. So based on the fact that we, you don't know what you're going to get in terms of uh, reissues and uh, issues for the first time in some cases, Way to Success has a chance to uh, come out there in HD and all of that. But uh, currently, it's been out of circulation for a while. We watched the uh, good-looking Hong Kong Laserdisc, and the Universe also issued it on VCD back in the day. Uh, I can't imagine it turns up frequently secondhand, but you know, do keep an eye out and even uh, on uh, the places like DDD House for the latest uh, announcements. You never know because uh, one of the better things of 2020, if we look back, has been the the, the crazy 
random release uh, releases of reissues and uh, movies that have only been on Laserdisc and VCD and uh, they've been obscure. And uh, I mean, Queen of Underworld that we discussed, it came out on Blu-ray as well. And uh, yeah, it's not super obscure, but I didn't expect it. Not at all. And horrible high heels. No one expected that. So <sighs> there is that. So um, that's the availability. And uh, let's uh, finish this episode off. So for all your podcast on fire network needs, including the back catalog of this weekend's lease and, uh, for instance, our Gates of Hell episode, do find it. We're available on uh, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio and Spotify and all that good stuff. I'll link to the episode uh, that's uh, on the website to Gates of Hell because I think it's a fun episode as we talk about grim and goofy uh, movie shot in San Francisco. So it's uh, Category 3 Movies on the Road. And uh, that's uh, pretty much it. So check out all the show links, uh, any relevant links uh, that's turned up in our discussion that uh, requires a link, including two Gates of Hell. I'll place that in the show post. So... Check it out, and in the meantime, let's uh, stop the naughty and nice fucking, and uh, thank you for listening. See you next time, and make sure to practice your double slut foot. In the meantime, going back to the first half of the show, uh, Vince Lisa Kane with me was the great Lord Joshua Regal. Go practice your double slut foot, or uh, practice with a Coke bottle, or whatever. Always do. Always. Start sawing off the Coke bottle and uh, grinding the glass to, to make sure uh, it doesn't cut you off. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> it's like, that got to you, didn't it? Like, uh, yeah, it did. It's got it in her mouth. I don't want her to be cut. Blood, blood. <laughs> I hate blood. I work as a nurse. I shouldn't be reacting like this. <laughs>